The Window on the World, an international press review by the European Democratic Party, bringing you weekly news and commentaries that matter. Hello again, and welcome to the 15th episode of The Window on the World. Today is Friday, 17th of June, and in this podcast you will find out more about the latest updates on the Russian-Ukrainian conflict, the European Commission's proposal to grant candidate member status to Ukraine, the result of the first round of the French parliamentary elections, and the approval of the Polish recovery plan. And as always, we will present you with the best editorials and opinion pieces on the result of the first round of the French legislative elections and to the ECB's monetary policy. And now let's dive right into the most important news of the week. Today's first update is on the war in Ukraine. This week, French President Macron, Italian Prime Minister Draghi and German Chancellor Scholz jointly visited Kiev. It is their first visit since the conflict began. We are here to meet with President Zelensky to visit a war site where massacres were committed and then to conduct the planned conversations with the Ukrainian president, Macron said. The meeting will also serve to discuss the proposal the European Commission plans to present this week to grant Ukraine the candidate member status for entry into the European Union. Next week, in fact, the issue of Ukraine's candidate member status will be discussed by 27 European heads of state and governments in the European Council. For Ukraine's candidacy to be approved, the European Council must vote unanimously in favor. According to some rumors, however, at least three states are against it. Let us now change the subject completely and talk about the French legislative elections. Last Sunday, the French were called to the polls to renew their parliament. The polls rewarded the coalition's new popular ecological and social union and ensemble citoyenne of President Macron. The two coalitions achieved an almost identical result, garnering 25.7% of the vote, although the ensemble coalition leads ahead of Lupes by about 20,000 votes. Following the two coalitions, we find Marine Le Pen's Rassemblement National, which obtained 18.7% of the vote. And finally, the union De la Droite et du Centre, with 11.3%. But the electoral race is not over yet. This Sunday, in fact, the second round of voting will be held. We now move on to a strictly European topic and Poland's recovery plan. The plan, which provides 36 billion euros in grant and non-repayable loans, will be voted on this week by European finance ministers. Four countries, however, are raising doubts about this decision. We ask the Commission to carefully assess the satisfactory achievement of the milestones before taking a decision on the approval of any payment, stated in a note the ministers of Belgium, Denmark, the Netherlands and Sweden. The Polish recovery plan has been approved by the European Commission following Warsaw's amendment of a controversial justice law that would have severely restricted the independence of judges. Today's latest update concerns legal action taken by the European Union against the United Kingdom. The Commission has launched two legal actions against London, which is accused of failing to meet two obligations under the Brexit Agreement. The Commission alleges that the UK has failed to provide adequate resources to customs along the Northern Ireland border, where food safety checks are supposed to be carried out. 
In addition, Downing Street has not provided the EU with the necessary trade data to monitor the movement of goods in the region. Northern Ireland's customs borders have long been at the centre of a tug-of-war between Brussels and London. As the British government has proposed a bill to its parliament that effectively ignored Brexit's arrangements made between the EU and the UK. The first editorials of the day analyze the outcome of the French legislative elections held last Sunday. We begin with a country that borders France, Germany, and the Die Welt newspaper. For journalist Martina Meister, the result can be summed up as a defeat for Macron a victory for Mélenchon. Although they achieved an almost identical result, the coalition to which the president's party belongs is ahead of the main challenger, the NUPES coalition, by only 20,000 votes. This is still a partial result, however, as there is still a second turn of votes that will take place. But what is certain is that the leftist coalition and the Rassemblement National will be a strong opposition in parliament. According to Meister, the result of the vote highlights an important aspect to consider when compared with the presidential vote. Although the heart of the republic beats to the right, the ideological center of society is shifting to the left. Still, there is no reason to rejoice for French democracy, the German journalist points out. In fact, Meister writes at the end of the editorial, the high abstention rate above 50% highlights one fact. The majority of French people have said goodbye to politics. The second comment on the French elections comes from the neighboring Belgium and the newspaper La Libre. According to columnist Dorian Demus, these elections show that the left is resisting and shaking the centrist hegemony. Despite its defeat in the presidential elections, the left has managed to come together, albeit with difficulty, and form a coalition that holds its own against the president's. But despite the undeniable success, Mélenchon has little chance of turning the third place on the presidential podium into a prime minister's chair, writes the Belgian journalist. The election result, however, is not only the merit of Nupes, but also a miscalculation by Macron, who, he was wrong to see these legislative elections as a mere formality, whereas each of the 577 constituencies represents an election in its own right. However, the last word is not said yet. As we read in closing, Macron has five days to mobilize and save his second five-year term. Finally, today's last editorial on the French elections comes from Spain and the daily El País. The first round of the French legislative elections confirms the recomposition of the political space into three large blocs. The liberal right, the new left and the old far right, argues political scientist Sami Nair. If the results are confirmed in the second round, then it will be the end of the Macronist centrism that has characterized the past five years. Macron can still hope to win a parliamentary majority, but this will depend on the right-wing Republicans, the very party he has been trying to unseat throughout his term. According to Nair, we are facing a new political cycle, which reaffirms the return of a more conservative right and a renewed and more offensive left. The president did not completely lose these legislative elections, the political scientist explains in closing, but he did not win them either. The vote was also commented on by François Beyrou, European Democratic Party, in a tweet. I have never known such dangerous legislative elections, 
France is facing an unprecedented crisis between the war and the economic crisis. For the second of today's editorials, we change the subject and talk about the European Central Bank's monetary policy, inflation and their effects on the purchasing power of wages. The first commentary on the topic comes from French newspaper Le Figaro. For journalist Bertie Bayard, the return to the ECB's pre-crisis monetary policy will be a long and chaotic journey. After several decades falling inflation and years of fighting the economic crisis, monetary policy has reached a natural limit, zero short-term interest rates, writes Bayard. Because of the pandemic, the ECB went even further in its accommodative policy on interest rates. But the return of inflation has prompted the ECB to change course of action. The announcement of the rate hike alone has already rattled the markets. France's 10-year rate is at 2.22%. Italy's has risen above 4% to 2013 levels. And the famous spreads, the differences in rates between Eurozone countries have increased, argues the columnist. In conclusion, getting out of the illusion of free money will not be an easy task for the ECB, but it can count on a weapon that only central banks have, credibility. For the second editorial on the same topic, let us move to Southern Europe and go to Italy, to the newspaper La Repubblica. According to Francesco Guerrera, to cope with rising inflation, the ECB is acting on three different levels. In world stock exchanges, in European capitals and in relation with other monetary authorities. For Guerrera, the world stock exchanges, frightened by the possibility of a rapid and considerable increase in rates, are pushing the markets to turn on the financially weaker Eurozone countries, such as Italy. In the case of the banks of European countries, on the other hand, the ECB is using the only weapon at its disposal to reduce high rates, which is to raise interest rates on loans. Finally, the third area in which the ECB is taking action is the one that is most likely to burden citizens. Indeed, as interest rates rise in the United States, Britain and Japan, we risk finding ourselves with a weaker euro relative to other currencies. The consequence could be to force us to import further price increases, which will further hurt families' capacities. These are three complex, tortuous and dangerous fronts, writes Guerrera, who concludes, Now the ECB and Europe need a guide with a steady hand and clear words. With the last editorial of the day, we leave the borders of the EU and go to the UK, to the Financial Times. According to the editorial board of the British paper, the ECB is concerned about the different financial conditions in which member states find themselves. As evidence of this, there is the spread against German bonds, bonds which in Italy and Spain has already risen to levels last seen during the pandemic. It is a difficult situation the ECB finds itself in, which on the one hand would like to raise rates to limit the effects of inflation, while on the other hand must prevent financial conditions from diverging within the Eurozone. In the meantime, banks in member countries have been confidently awaiting the increase in rates and the additional revenues these are expected to generate. But this consequence is not so obvious. Some banks in southern European countries in fact remain vulnerable to a decline in the value of their holdings of government bonds. The result is that taming inflation at the European level and avoiding fragmentation could be irreconcilable goals for the ECB. 
speculates the editorial staff of the British paper. A deterioration in the capital position of some Mediterranean banks, the article concludes, could therefore be something investors will simply have to live with. We are at the end of our 15th episode of the podcast, The Window on the World. Before ending, we remind you that this Sunday, French people will be called to the polls for the runoff of the legislative elections to choose the new deputies of the parliament. We will update you next week. Research and writing for this episode was done by Daniel Rutza. And behind the mic, it's me, your host, Gail Rago. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And until next time, take care and goodbye.